Welcome to Community Coded, the ultimate podcast series for founders, VCs, and builders who master the art of community building. This podcast is brought to you by Threado, a community management platform that lets you drive more engagement, identify brand champions, and scale a thriving community with automated workflows and personalized messages. We're so proud to say that we serve fast-growing community-led startups like Notion, Mixpanel, Triple Whale, and more. What are you waiting for? Hit threader.com and up your community game. Now, let's talk about this podcast. Join us as we dive deep into the world of community building with some of the biggest names in the industry. Let's decode what it takes to build a thriving community. Hello, hello, community builders. Uh, welcome again yet another, to the yet another episode of Community Coded Podcast. I'm sorry, you know, um, I need a coffee or something. I'm stumbling all over the place. Uh, today I have a very interesting guest. Uh, she's kind of like a, like a strategist, coach, founder, like, you know, many things that a, a community builder will do. Uh, welcome Marjorie Anderson. How are you feeling today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Absolutely. And one of our guests, uh, previously appeared on the show, April, who recommended, highly recommended Marjorie to be on the show. So I'm excited to dive a little deeper into like what you do at, at various things. But before we dive in, for folks who don't know uh, Marjorie, let me give you guys like a brief intro. She's a community strategist. She's a founder. She's an advisor uh, on a strategic level. And in, in, she's currently working as director of community at Exos, a network of coaches that will steer people in the right direction. I want to like understand what you guys do at Exos because it's so fascinating and so empowering to like see the things you mentioned on the website so that's one thing and she pre she was previously uh led community at product school and worked for 14 plus years at project management institute and where she was kind of like a pm and did many community roles so i want to like also uh learn from you about how you think uh how you think community managers should think from a product lens and whatnot. But uh, she also founded this thing called Community by Association, a platform that offers various services to professionals who are in nonprofits. So, all right, enough uh, about like the, the awesome things people, uh, Marjorie do, but let's get into the details, which I'm very excited about. So right off the mind, right off the bat, talk to me about your uh, experience working in, in a vast a variety of industries like you were right now being part of the exos you know community you were you were at project Ma institute management institute you were at product school how did you end up like doing so many things uh it's so non-linear right so talk to me like you know your journey from a to like where you are right now yeah yeah it's definitely been quite a journey and for like most community professionals I fell into community it's not mm. work that I sought out um, mm -hmm. I worked for as you mentioned PMI for 14 and a half years and the first half of that time there I spent a lot of time in our customer support area which mm. for me was incredibly helpful in mm. um, understanding then how those skills translate into building community Mm. Um, because in those roles, you learn a little bit about a lot of things, right? People are calling right. in and they're asking for support and you need to know where to send them, who to talk right. to and those sorts of things. And so halfway through my career at PMI, I was like, man, I really wish there was something more that I could contribute to the organization. And right. our role was open in our community area. And I, at first I didn't think that I would qualify, qualify for it. And then right. Um, our employment specialist was like, hey, this role has come up again. I really think this is something you should dig into. And so mm. I applied for it and found that it was really work that I love. Um, we started out with um, a communities of practice model, which was mm -hmm. 36 separate communities of practice volunteer led. Wow. And the role that I played was virtual communities administrator. And what that meant was you know, supporting these volunteers as they run their communities. Mm. And then our program evolved and we acquired um, 
we acquired another community and we migrated all of the the content and assets from those separate communities into one. And mm-hmm. um, that's where I really learned the meat of my community management um, skill. And so mm. I did that for a while in 2018, um, was promoted to manager of that program. And really mm-hmm. from 2018 through um, up until I left in 2022, um, I was responsible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was responsible for... Um, uh, strategic direction, budget, that type of stuff for the program. And then um, in 2022, product school said, hey, would you like to come build community with us? And I had mm. put in a good amount of time at PMI and thought, you know, it, it's time for a change. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so um, I left PMI. And then after spending some time at product school, they had made the decision not to invest in community. And so... Oh. At the end of last year, um, you know, there was some layoffs that happened and I got caught mm. up in that. I think it was, I was the first round of layoffs, uh, mm. part of the first round of layoffs there. And then uh, a friend of mine um, was like, hey, Exos is hiring for a director of community. And I was like, at first I thought to myself the same thing that I thought to myself years ago when I first entered community. I don't know if I'm qualified for that, but I um yeah. I applied and interviewed and got the job and so in January I started with Exos and um uh, I'm really loving the work there so far so that's that's kind of the long and short of my journey. I love that <clears throat> there are like so many ups, so many revelations, like you know, so many discoveries. Like you've had, I think probably you know uh, that helped you structure what you're doing right now. One thing you said, which is quite true even today you know uh, is that uh, community is still the first man to take the hit right like the first group to take the hit when things go like really south right and you know you kind of experienced that at product school uh, why do you think that what should what should change like I'm just curious to know uh, this has been like a like a topic where I want to understand from people like you who had like this vast experience about what needs to be done in order to like change that, like take marketing sales or even product teams. They don't take the hit, right? They always like either secured by the founders or the executive team. So in your opinion, what should be, what should change? Yeah. So I, it's probably an unpopular opinion, but I'm, I'm going to say it. So first, I want to just acknowledge that, you know, around the time that I got laid off, a lot of community professionals were getting laid off because at the mm-hmm. beginning of the pandemic, lots of organizations were digging their heels into uh, online communities as a means to keep right. their members, customers, of course. users engaged, right? And so... Mm-hmm. They had beefed up and doubled down on staffing and and investing in community as a strategic advantage. Um, I don't think all of them needed to do that. Um, and mm. what I also think is that we are in a we're in this cycle over the past couple of years where lots of people talk about community being the future of business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that is true if the organization or the company understands why they're investing in community. Mm. But I do not think it's true if they do not already believe that it is a strategic advantage for them. I right. think that a lot of companies and organizations jump on trend bandwagons as a means to differentiate themselves in the market without thinking through what does this mean for us from a strategic perspective what mm. does five, seven, ten years from ten now years. look like if we invest in community? How does it help our bottom line? How does it help the people who engage with us? What is yes. our purpose in doing this? If you're not solid in that, then it doesn't matter. Like you're, you're. What at the end of the day, what's going to end up happening? Because community doesn't provide an immediate kickback in terms mm. of profit. It's mm-hmm. the easiest thing to let go because you're investing in something that takes time to yield ROI. Right. Right. And then, but, you know, a product, you can launch a product and if the yep. adoption's good, immediate, you see that immediate profit, right? 
That's not how community works. It takes time to build trust with people. It takes time to lay their foundation for those relationships Mm. and to get content in. Like it takes time. But once that's done, like you start to see the fruits of that labor um, on on a lagging scale, right? And so I think companies and organizations need to really think long and hard about whether or not they need community and whether it's something that is essential to the way that they Mm. do business. And if it is not, I often tell people then don't build it right now. If it's something that you think you need, but you're not convinced of it, don't hire me to come in and convince you of it. If you don't already understand (laughs) that, then I'm not going to be able to convince you of it. Yeah. That's so funny because that's so funny. Uh, because you are hiring someone to actually convince you that you don't have a good opinion on. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Is... <laughs> like that does not make sense, right? <laughs> that, that makes it that makes a person's job even harder because if you have a good understanding and you have a good intention what you want to do and good clarity, then together you can steer the ship. Right. But if you even don't know the direction you're going and if you want someone to help you, that's I feel like that's a very right way to put, you know. And for people uh, who are still entering into this space, like community management space, seeking jobs, uh, what advice do you want to give to them about sensing this, like the must-have quality in an organization, which is uh, they get it. These people, these founders, they get it. They get what community is versus people like they don't get it at all. Like, do you have like a sense of litmus test that you want to suggest for people? Uh, yeah, I would ask questions about um, long-term strategy and resourcing um, mm-hmm. for community programs during the interview process. I would also ask the um, people who are interviewing you what community means to them and the value it brings to the organization and the work that they do. Um, I would also ask if, um, if they, if there is alignment across their C-suite or other leadership Mm. around the purpose of community and how it contributes to the overall strategic, um, objective of the business and how it's going to help serve their clients, customers, members, what have you. And Mm -hmm. so if they can answer those sorts of questions and there's alignment across the people that you talk to in terms of what community actually means and Mm -hmm. what it's meant to do and the strategic outlook and that there's buy-in for support, Mm -hmm. then I think you've got a good, um, I think you've got a a good company that you can gauge is really kind of figured out why they need community and they're on the path to hiring people who can help move that forward but right. if they're not able to answer those questions or if there's no alignment there then that's a pretty good indicator that um they've just kind of jumped on the community bandwagon and they're not quite right. sure and they're hoping right. you can come in and help them figure that out um right. and then what ends up happening is lots of times community managers get hired um right. and they start building and the company's like this costs too much and of you're course. like yeah i know you've got to invest in it um, and that's a, and then what ends up happening is they're like, well, this is not something that we have the time or resources for now. We're right. going to cut it. And that's where you see those layoffs that come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. makes sense. And you talked about like buy-in. Uh, I want to kind of like unpack a little bit about that. Uh, what Do you have certain frameworks that you suggest for community builders, community managers to use uh, to buy-in? across the executive team or the business and overall like about certain programs or uh, community as a long-term game, right? What Or how did you present to your leadership team when you were working at these companies? Any, any tips there? Yeah. I, I often tied it back to um, where it provides value across the business, not just as a standalone community program, but, where where does this touch other strategic initiatives that without community it would be extremely hard to accomplish and so if you're looking at um a larger strategic plan for an organization and say one of their um 
key objectives is to increase uh, member acquisition, then community can do a really good job of not only acquiring new members, but retaining the ones that you already have based off of what you provide as part of a benefit of that community, the value that people get out of it. Are they able to find answers that they normally wouldn't be able to find had that not had that community not existed? Are they able to create content or find content that is more helpful to them based off of what they're trying to achieve by searching your website or something like that? So the more data and information that you can provide um, senior leaders at the end of the day that shows the value of community, even if you don't necessarily have ROI that you can provide them, the Mm -hmm. easier it is to then get buy-in. Um, it, it's not enough to just walk in the room and say, yeah, community is a differentiator. You really have mm-hmm. to show them what that looks like in terms mm-hmm. of how it helps to meet objectives and, and goals. And not only that, but then where those other parts of the organization feed into community to help mm-hmm. make it even stronger, That which then makes it um, you know, a, a hotter commodity for that organization, for lack of a better term. So finding those Mm. connections within the business um, where community adds value and explaining how and telling the story around that is key Um, Mm. and doing so in such a succinct way that it's undeniable, right? It's very easy to just put some words together and be like, this is how I think it happens. Mm -hmm. Show them how it happens so that they really understand the impact to the business um, Mm. and and how, how that manifests through community. It comes with a lot of conviction too, right? Like uh, you have to project, you have to show projections in a way that it helps, like you said, other departments, like, you know, this will provide more product retention. This will, you know, create more content so that the content machine, the engine will run by itself and so on and so forth. Uh, In your experience, how do uh, community managers create these holistic programs? They're not community only specific but they involve these different departments right uh and what did you do like you know in your experience at you know pmi and other like you know even today at exos and product school what did you do like that you can share with us today yeah it's really um it really comes down to the conversations that you have um one of it's really interesting i had a boss at PMI who, um, to this day, we're still really, really good friends who, um, when I first joined her team as part of the community team, one question that I asked her was, how does the work that we do connect into strategically into the rest of the work that we do at PMI? And she Mm -hmm. said, that is a great question. You should go find out. And so what that did <laughs> was That's a good that to do. <laughs> right, right. And so what that did was it caused me to go talk to key business leaders across the organization to figure out what right. were their pain points, what were the mm. things that they were struggling with, what were the things that were working really well, and was there some sort of connection into community that would help them do it even better. And so um, in talking with directors and other managers, it really helped me understand, okay, here's where we've got an opportunity in terms of how we not only Mm -hmm. create a community for the people who are participating in that space, but then how do we also ensure that we are able to provide some value uh, out to other business units, for example, we had um, an early thought around um, within our within the association, we had local chapters and local chapters had to come up with their own programming. They had to think of ways to bring people in. They had chapter dues and those sorts of things. And so one of the things that we came up with early on in an iteration of our relaunched community was a chapter media library. And what that chapter media library was, it was content from the chapters that was still relevant to practitioners, not necessarily specific to um, a specific geography, but specific to the profession itself. And we urged um, we urged 
chapters to provide us content to put into that chapter media library. So that did two things that provided some insight for Mm -hmm. members within the community to understand what was really happening at the local level, if they weren't already involved in their chapters. And then the flip side of that is it also allowed um, people who may not have been members the opportunity to connect with their chapter and see what was happening there so that they might go to a local chapter meeting, which would then increase their member acquisition and retention. So um, it also provided us an opportunity to add content that was not in English. So we had a um, largely North America-based online community, but we had people from all parts of the world who were participating in that space. And so we ended up accumulating some Spanish and Portuguese content. We had some, mm-hmm. a little bit of Arabic content. We mm-hmm. had some Korean content, some Japanese content. And so, nice. um, you know, we were able to acquire that because the chapters were willing to lend us that content. And, and then that provided greater visibility for them because then down the road, we were able to add um, search heuristics that allow people to search by um, right. chapter or by um language so it was it was really helpful on that end mm, i love that uh <clears throat> so you you kind of did like a how do i put this like a discovery call with the stakeholders internally uh just like product founders do discovery calls with users right like about when they build about a product yeah so how important is it to also involve the community when you do these, when you build like a program, it's, it's kind of like what you want from the stakeholders is, is necessary because that moves the needle internally for a business. But also, do you think, I believe that you should also involve the community, like personas, like, hey, what is something that you want that will bring more people like you together, right? So any, any uh, thoughts there about involving both parties uh, when you build these programs? Absolutely. I think it's, um, I think it's a good balance. Like you've got to talk to your community to understand what it is that they need in that space in order to speak to programming in order to think about what that experience needs to be. And so we had people um, from our past communities that were still involved that we were heavily invested in talking to them about you know what does the experience need to look like does this sort of programming make sense and uh, mm-hmm. we would often get feedback from the community to say hey i love that you do webinars but you do them during a time when i'm usually going to bed and it took us mm-hmm. a bit but we would um, we finally got to a space where we were able to provide webinars at different times of the day so that people could participate um, mm. if they weren't in the United States. Right. Um, so, and we, so we've got, we had people who would provide us and we welcomed feedback and they would mm. message us directly and say, Hey, you know, I've got some ideas about some stuff, right? And there were people who were really invested in that community experience and how that showed up for them. And so we wanted to make sure that we listened to them and got their feedback and incorporated mm. that. What we were lucky to have on um, on the business side was a really robust and very skilled user mm. experience research team. Like they were phenomenal, phenomenal people. Mm. And so we would work with them to figure out how do we continue to get this sort of feedback so that we're not just building blindly, that we're building an experience that makes sense. Are there surveys? Is there user research that we can do that's different? And they would give us all sorts of ideas and work with us to ensure that we Mm -hmm. got that input. But it was definitely a a must-have. It's not something that's a nice to have. We wanted to make sure that we got that insight because at the end of the day, we're not the ones participating in that community. The community members are. And if we don't get that experience right, they're going to go find it or build it themselves elsewhere Um, and so we wanted to make sure that we were paying attention to that so uh when you when you think about like scaling these programs right like when you you executed these programs with the buy-in from the business and you kind of see the progress from the community as well uh just like how product people take the feedback to improve and how do you think community managers should 
involve the community do you guys do surveys like what did you do like to uh make them feel like okay this is the path to go move forward or in other words like how do you know that what's working well and what's not working well yeah that's a that's a really great question i think it's the same with community as it is with with product right or, mm-hmm. or anything so once you've put it out into the world um you know you can deploy surveys you can have conversations i think one of the things that's really been valuable from my perspective is that we did a couple of things and so we would talk to people within the community and be like how did that feel for you does that does this mm. feel like it makes sense is this is this okay and then they would provide us feedback um we would talk to um even some of our stakeholders and say hey we did this thing how did that feel for you so for example when i was at pmi what we did was we did a um we started an ask us anything series and what that was mm-hmm, was it mm-hmm. was quarterly webinars with people from different parts of the business to talk about updates to their products new benefits those types of things and we would ask the people who participated um as speakers in those series how did that how did that work mm-hmm. for you and then mm-hmm. we would go back in a couple of months and see if there was any market change in how people either engaged with a product um whether they were registering for events those types of things and so mm. we could see whether or not those types of things were working or whether they weren't and for some parts of the business it just wasn't worth the time and effort and for some parts of the business it was because right. the return wasn't as great or um maybe the return was deeper than they thought it would be because it was much more of an intimate setting mm. and so yes yeah, surveys work talking to people work um works and then um it's also i think important for for us to just look at the numbers just this the look, what do the metrics tell us mm-hmm. are there things within what we're measuring that tell us whether or not something is um important or whether it worked or it didn't we mm-hmm. were very fortunate to be plugged into um uh, the voice of the customer capability that we had at, within the organization um, mm-hmm. Right before I left, a couple years before I left, we had started to really build out a CX function within the organization. And as mm-hmm. part of rolling that out, I was insistent that community be a part of that initial rollout because there was such rich conversation happening in the forums that if we were able to capture that, we were able to kind of see um not only was community working, but you know, are people struggling with a certification? Um, what do they think about membership? Because they were having those candid con- conversations there. So really listening and like looking at your metrics, take, doing surveys. If you have a co- voice of the customer capability that you can plug into within your organization, mm. that's key. Um, mm. And if you don't, just making sure that as part of your moderation practices, you're looking in the forums and you're looking at what people are talking about you know, does your community software uh, allow you to pull like most search terms or m- m- most um, most asked questions uh, mm. and see those types of themes, right? Those are the types of things that you should look for to help tell you what's working, what's not, because sometimes people aren't going to put it in a survey and they're not always going to be willing to talk. But sometimes that information shows up in random conversations within your forums. Right. Yeah, that's, I think... uh having like an integrated system really helps right like you know you can really adapt from product teams and you can implement the same mechanism uh for community as well so that's that's smart you know something that community managers should probably like you know collaborate with product people more on that front like you know even i think they they do collaborate in a way right they pass the feedback if it's very product related but also to understand how community is scaling that's a that's a key uh i think this this at this point it's a right segue to my next question which is about what do you how do you think or uh, let me rephrase like how should a community manager th- think like a product manager uh is there a is there a key uh like takeaways you've picked from you know working with product teams at product school for example or even like you know pmi uh what are some really essential takeaways that you you want to pass along for the audience today yeah 
I think if you're thinking in terms of like product management, I was really fortunate to learn that skill when I worked at PMI. And I think when you're thinking in terms of your community, if you're thinking of your community in terms of product management and what like a life cycle looks like, Mm. um, it's really key, I think, and important to understand how you can think about rolling out new features what's most important, what goes in a Mm. backlog, how do you iterate Mm -hmm. on ideas um, Mm -hmm. and roll them out piece by piece just to make sure that, you know, you've got the concepts right, you know, doing it in such a way where you roll out a piece of it and you're like, okay, you do a temperature check. Is this, is this right? Is this feel right? Is this what we were working (laughs) toward? And if so, then you, you, you do the next iteration, right? And you keep asking those questions and being flexible and willing mm-hmm. to change um, based mm-hmm. off of what you learn. Um, mm-hmm. It's never, we all know, I hope we all know that, you know, communities never set it and forget it. And so in the same way that you would think about right. moderation and the same way that you would think about ensuring that there's ongoing participation, it's the same way that you would want to think about ensuring that the experience within the community is what it needs to be for folks. And if you're constantly keeping a pulse on that, iterating on new programs, iterating on new features, uh, thinking really clearly and deeply about, you know, what does the next step look like? I think those are all important things. Mm. And keeping a backlog of items that, you know, maybe you can get to within the next quarter, maybe you can't Mm. get to. Um, Mm. What's the prioritizing your work? Like all of that, I think is, is really key and important because at the end of the day, when you think about community, it's, it's like a product. Um, mm, it's, it's, it's something that you, you roll out and you iterate on changes and experience and those types of things based off of the feedback of the users. And mm-hmm. um, if you're listening, um, they'll tell you what you need to do. Uh, if mm. you're paying attention, they'll tell you what you need to do. And there are some really cool things that you can do um, right. when you are not only listening to them, but you're listening to what the needs of the business are. And so you've kind of, got to be tuned into a bunch of different areas and places to make sure you right. get it, you know, as close to right as you can, um, while understanding that at the end of the day, you also have an objective to meet in terms of the purpose of that community, why it exists, who it's for, and how you're going to help them achieve their goals. And so um, mm. I, I once heard someone tell me <clears throat> that community serves many masters, and it does, but it also has its own set of objectives and mm, and and things absolutely. that it needs to accomplish so we can't keep we can't forget those while mm. also trying to make everyone else happy yeah yeah makes sense and what are some things that community managers should avoid thinking in the lens of product managers like any <laughs> you know any gray areas that you want to like highlight oh you know what don't go there that's that's not right like you know product managers think overthink or it only applies for product building or product management, not community management. Uh, I think that that could be, um, I think that that could be subjective, but I think the biggest thing would be that when it comes to your community platform selection, um, Mm. there's a lot less wiggle room, right? Because you're not building it, (laughs) right? Right, If you are- Right. If you are building your own community platform, that's a different thing. If you are not building your own community platform, you really need to make sure you're clear on what the requirements are, what Mm. a long term plan looks like, like that type of stuff. You've got to be zeroed in on and hyper focused on when you're choosing your community platform. So let's not think about, you know, how do we iterate on this platform? That is for the product team. for that platform to decide. And I think that those are questions you can ask when you're procuring your, your platform. What, what does your roadmap look like? You know, here are the things that we would love, love to see, but we don't currently see. Is this on your roadmap? Is this something that you've thought about? What feedback have you gotten back from other members? So from that perspective, you can ask the product team as they're giving you their spill, but um, in terms of how you think about usage of that platform over the next three to five to seven years or right. however long your you know contract is for, you really need to be very, very clear about mm. um, what growth might look like for mm. 
for your community and whether or mm. not that platform is going to be able to sustain that growth or scale that growth with and for you. And so mm. you have to be much more, um, you have to be much more focused on, you know, specifics when it comes mm. to that. Um, because sometimes once you're locked in to those, to those contracts, there's no getting out of them until that contract ends. And so be right. very specific and clear about what your intentions are and what you plan to accomplish with, with right. the team who's kind of presenting that platform to you. That's so that's not an area where you're like, okay, we try this and see if it works. We try that. We see if it works. There's no luxury. There is no trying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Once you've bought it, you've bought it until that right. contract ends. So be very, very, very specific and clear about what you need when choosing right. that. Other than that, I think it's, I think everything else is, is, is flexible. Right. Right. And you talk a lot about, even on your LinkedIn, you talk a lot about community strategy and you call yourself like, you know, global community strategist. Uh, <clears throat> what is it about? Like, how do you design a community strategy? Is, is, is there a specific blueprint that you follow when you go to like, you know, like the, that you learn from all these, from all your experience as well as what you do at, you know, Exos right now? Yeah. Yeah. I think the first thing that I always think of when I, when I think about starting a strategy discussion is three questions. Mm. Why does the community exist and why now? Um, who is the community for and how do they know it's for them? And then mm. how will we help people achieve their goals or how will we meet our community objectives through the program that we want to start? And so those are three key questions that I think need to be answered up front when we're thinking through strategy. And if those questions can't be answered, then we need to go back to the drawing board and figure out whether or not mm. community is the right thing. But if there's clarity on those questions, then we get to the, well, what does community look like? Um, how does it m help us meet our goals uh, as a larger organization? Those types of things. So like if the core value of community has not been determined and identified, then the rest of it doesn't matter. And so starting with that, those, those core questions then helps us build out the rest of what that strategy could and should look like, helps us figure out what budgets need to look like. How do we, um, how many resources do we need? Um, how many people do we need to hire at the beginning? It helps us with the content strategy it helps us figure all of that out. But those those three core questions need to be answered first. Otherwise, you're going to spin your wheels trying to figure out the rest. Oh, I cannot hear you. I do this a lot. Like, I... I get so excited that I didn't even like see the settings that I'm on mute. <laughs> no, no, no. I feel uh, that's a that's a great package. The three question package is great. And what are some questions that you have to avoid during the strategy? Like, for example, I think to me, <clears throat> projecting the goals or specifically like entering, hey, we're going to 10x the retention or the acquisition is like is a good optimistic way of looking at community but anything can happen right like even though uh, people have a good understanding and clarity <clears throat> i would still not over uh, aim for these goals and what i would actually my personality is i would say uh, a kind of what do you call aim low and deliver more type of a thing like you know you you kind of over deliver and uh, under promise type of a thing yeah. so what would in your opinion uh, i'm curious during this strategy what are the things that people should avoid uh, they shouldn't be asking how many people are gonna join the community in the first 90 days we don't know like we have no mm. idea <laughs> we don't even know um how much people really want this community so like let's not yeah. think about the number of people who are going to be in it Let's not upfront think about the amount of money you might make because you started in an online community, right? Those mm. things are subjective to how people choose to participate and show up in that space. Mm. Um, so like, 
all of those quote unquote vanity metrics that really look good on a spreadsheet, um, <laughs> you, you can't really determine upfront. You can say, right. here's how we plan to measure this in the long term and right. see if we can get some leading indicators as to what that might look like over the course of the next 12 months, but I can't promise you any specific number. Right. And so right. when those sorts of conversations come up and those sorts of questions come up, it's a it's one of those things where you have to reset the conversation and say, hey, mm. we're really here to talk about the purpose and, and the mm. value that this is going to provide. We can get to some metrics once we've answered all of these other questions, but mm. let's not let's not think too far ahead of ourselves because there's an understanding that this work takes time. And if that mm. understanding doesn't exist, then you've got to center people on it before you move any further. But, you know, avoiding conversations like, oh, you're going to have a million users by the end of the year. That's that's ridiculous. No one knows whether or not that's going to happen. And so right. not promising that sort of stuff is key. Right. Yeah. And one of the things I uh, just want to like switch gears a little bit here. One of the things I saw uh, I read on your LinkedIn uh, is that you also have experience building employee community, right? Uh, <clears throat> what's like the biggest difference uh, between building uh, an online community or a physical community or anything external versus like an online community? Is is there is there any similarities or uh, something that you observed that you want to share? Yeah, I think the similarities are that when you're building in-person community and when you're building online community, it's still all about creating belonging and connection. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the structure around online communities is a little more um, firm than mm -hmm. in-person communities, right? Because I think with in-person communities, people feel like, yeah, this is just organic, right? We just come together because we care about one another and we care about the things that we're doing and we really want to feel connected to one another and a sense of belonging. And that's true in any community that you join. But I think that the difference is that it has to be much more explicit in face-to-face -face spaces. Mm. If people are coming together for a run every week, say, for example, like there's a run club, um, you don't think to create guidelines around behavior. You don't think to create um, and call out specific values that people share, right? Mm -hmm. And so I did some work with a client last year um, around um, a physical community that comes together, I think, once a month or, or something like that. And um, what we discovered was that it was really important for them to have something that states hmm. why they come together, why it's important that they come together and how they will bring people into the fold who want to join. Right. And what that orienting process looks like, because they didn't have it documented. They hmm. themselves, because they've been coming together for so long, knew what that looked like, but they didn't have never put it down on paper. So hmm. we went through an exercise last year to really kind of call out what is important to this group. What hmm. does, um, what does desired behavior look like when people come and they participate in this group? What right. happens if that desired behavior is not exhibited or people try to fall outside the user guidelines, right? What does that look mm -hmm. like and who's responsible for enforcing all of it? And so mm. um, what we have found is that now that we have put that together, it has made for such a richer experience within that physical space. And I don't know that when we're building physical communities, we think to do those things. It's automatic when we think about online communities, right? Because there's such a danger in yeah. bad actors entering that space and really wreaking havoc on, yeah. um, uh, on, on that participation and how people Absolutely. show up there. But we don't really think about that from a face-to-face -face community perspective. Mm. And um, it was really important to that group to kind of lay that all out and and it, for them it has really made a difference in the way that people show up um mm. and and how they care for one another in that space very interesting uh let's let before i know we're we're kind of close to the time i want to like ask a couple of more questions which you're actually invested right now uh, which is one uh community by association so talk to me about what it is and 
uh, how are you helping professionals like you know who invests in non profits and what is something that you as a strategic advisor at uh, committee by association yeah so a community by association started as a blog in 2018 i was learning a lot um in the association association space as it pertained to community building but what i was finding was that the things that i was learning and the conversations that i needed to have didn't exist in community spaces you know i there was a couple of communities for practitioners that i had joined that were um helpful in helping me learn about community management less helpful in help me helping me learn about the nuances associated with managing online community and associations and nonprofits. So I started sharing um a blog on in a blog in 2018 and um it got attention and people found it useful. Um and uh then in 2021, I believe it was at the end of 2021, I started to mm. get around 2020 I started to get um questions about whether I consulted and I didn't like there were people out there who I knew could do the, that work much more much right. better than I could right. um but the more questions that I got and the more requests that I got I found it necessary to set it up as mm. um as a as a company and so community by association LLC was born in November of 2021 and um I do that as a side um side work to my my daytime job to help right. organizations social impact organizations associations and nonprofits really think deeply about why community um needs to happen for them or why it doesn't uh and so right. um what i really try to do is talk to the leaders within those organizations mm. to ensure that they're all on the same page to create some accountability at the top so that there's not a decision right. to incorporate community into um a business where there's not buy in already um and so um right. my goal is to go in and help them think strategically about what that looks like and so that they're speaking the same language across that leadership team so that mm. there's accountability from the top to ensure the success for these programs mm. um versus someone coming in and being like build us a community program yeah, that's not what that. i do Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, that's not what I do. What I'm interested right. in is making sure that there's accountability from the leadership perspective to yeah. ensure that these programs are invested in appropriately and they've got the resources and the staffing needed for these programs to be successful. Um mm. if in discovery and 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 advising through 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 some of these organizations we find that it's not the right time then we stop the work. Um mm. I'm not interested in building out um programs that may or may not work um if mm. if we get stuck and we get really stuck and we can't get out of the spin then mm. i always advise that we take a step back think about mm. whether or not this makes sense at this time and if it does we keep going if it does not then we end the contract um right. until they're yeah. ready so and i think the self awareness piece is a, you know a very key ingredient for any community builder right like really like okay uh, you, you, that's where you you should not overcome it should be like really like play on the surface and you know see how yeah. things work and like that's that's the mutual thing uh that's amazing the work you do for uh you know for these nonprofits you know community association is sounds so fantastic and we're going to like definitely link put the link in the show notes uh the last question the thing you the uh, current work where you work at exos it's a diff- different ball game altogether right like what you did at product folks or product school and you know uh, pm uh, i these are all different from exo so talk to me about what are some things that you do and how is it so exciting for you as as you know which is different from the other things Yeah, it's it's much different because we're not building online communities and online connection is not our priority. In-person right. connection is our priority. Mm. And not only is it in in in-person connection, but it's in-person connection specifically for um employees of um of the client that we work with that are relative to health and well-being. Mm. And so what's really really amazing about this work is that the person the client that we're doing this work for is um hugely bought in to community 
they Mm. understand that it is um, a part of the employee experience that will keep people engaged, Mm. that will help their overall mental health and well-being, Mm. that will lend to them feeling more fulfilled. And so they've done a lot of research in this in this work and they're like, yeah, we, we want to continue to move this forward. And so for those who aren't aware, Exos is a um, health and well-being vendor that provides corporate wellness programs um, mm. to, to corporations and companies. And so one of the accounts that they are providing that um, service to is, is happens to be one of their strategic accounts and they are doubling down on community. And so the way that they are thinking about how this work is not only essential to um to to employee engagement but overall well-being like they're really centering Mm. this as a health and wellness perk not even a perk Mm. a health and wellness like staple as part of Mm. what that overall um well-being and fitness um offering is from the exo side and so um, it's really nice to be working with a company that believes wholeheartedly in the power of community, knows what it can right. do, and wants to use it um, <laughs> to help make their employees feel good about themselves and about the work that they're doing. So um, it's it's definitely a different world, and I'm working, you know, more on the vendor side to help the mm. client. Uh, and so while I don't have a direct I'm not directly building community and my team's not directly building community. We are helping existing communities become stronger because of the work mm. that we do. And so it's a brand new organization within on the EXO side for this client. And so we're building the plane as we fly it, but we've got some great learnings under our belt so far. And it's been great. Life, life will be life of a community builder will be really good if there is no buy-in, right? Like there is no struggle <laughs> you put time and effort to like convince other people in the same organization or even like, you know, your peers, Hey, we have to do this. Right. So I can only imagine, yeah. uh, you know, what you're going through because I think EXO seems to be uh, a place where they get it. Like they, they want to like really invest because I think it's, it's about people at the end of the day and, you know, being that being in a position of like well being and mental health is such a, such a strong, uh important thing for any organization so it's not like something like a nice to have it's like mandatory so uh i'm excited for you marjorie and thanks you know uh that that on that note we can like you know wrap up this episode but any closing thoughts uh before we close um i think that you know for community builders out there whether you're just starting or whether you are um a seasoned professional i think it's really important that you know there's a lot of stuff out there about how to build community and how to do it well. Um, And I think that those are good guideposts, but I also think that you absolutely know what you're doing and Mm. to not have imposter syndrome. You know what to do for the communities that you are working with. So trust your gut, Um, definitely beef up on your knowledge, but also if something goes against the grain, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means that that's what needs to work for the community that you're building and trust that. Um, And if you get stuck, um, reach out to your peers. They're always there to help. Absolutely. Love that. Love that advice. That is so self-aware right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Marjorie. And, you know, thanks folks for listening, guys. Uh, we keep on doing these episodes with, you know, professionals like experts like Marjorie. And stay tuned for yet another episode. But grateful, Marjorie. Grateful for you. And thanks for being here. Cheers, guys. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Uh, 